our journey through the season of Advent has been one where we have journeyed from the darkness to the light, where we have sought the way of Christ as we seek the leadership and the guidance of our Lord and Savior, where we seek to follow where it is that He calls us, as He calls us to follow in a way of hope, in a way of peace, a way of joy, a way of love. And as we have discussed throughout this season and we will come to at Christmas, it is all brought to us by a way in a manger. So this past week I was on Facebook playing around and saw where one of my dear friends had gotten engaged and um, started reading a post from his fiance. Now to give you kind of where they were, she was a single mother of two and he was a widower with four children of his own. Um, No matter how you really looked at it, they had found themselves in a place in life that they probably never really thought they would be. I never really expected to be there. And as I started to read her post, she said, Over a year and a half ago, little did I know this is where I would be. And, I, and then she goes on to tell their story, a story um, that is not, was not always a smooth story in their relationship, a story of overcoming addiction and shame, of fear and worry. But as she ended her post... She ended it by saying, As I reflect back on the last year and a half of my life, I can't help but smile and thank God that I'm here. And as I hear these words, I keep going over in my head, how many times do we find ourselves in situations that we do not expect to be or want to be or desire to be? We may find ourselves in that place even right now. But on the other side of it, we look back and we reflect and we say, I thank God for where I am. And as I, as I read her words, as I, think, as I ponder about these words, I, consider, I started thinking about the text from Micah chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. Uh, this beautiful reminder that though God may not show up where or how we expect, God is at work, even in that unexpected manner, even when we do not see it. God is at work. It's consistent if you look throughout the scriptures that God almost delights in upsetting our expectations. You see the story of Abraham and Sarah where where they did not expect to bear a child, but God says, oh, wait, here is Isaac. Or the story of David who was the smallest of all of his brothers but was anointed the king in 1 Samuel. Or as we come this season and we approach Christmas, we think of Mary who receives a surprise announcement that she will bear a child. And as Jesus enters the world, it's not as we expect. As some triumphal ruler in a long lineage of kings, but instead as a vulnerable child. And the ruler that we hear about promised in Micah's prophecy comes from 
an unexpected place in, a, in an unexpected way. I mean, no one was expecting their Savior to come from a virgin in a manger. And this promise of Micah's is that God will be faithful and will appear in surprising ways. In Micah chapter 5, beginning in verse 2, we hear these words. It says, As for you, Bethlehem of Ephrath, though you are the least significant of Judah's forces, one who is to be a ruler in Israel on my behalf will come out from you. His origin is from remote times, from ancient days. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor gives birth. The rest of his kin will return to the people of Israel. He will stand at and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They will dwell secure because he will surely become great throughout the earth. He will become one of peace. When Assyria invades our land and treads down our fortresses, then we will raise up against him seven shepherds and eight human princes. And as I hear this, it's that beautiful promise that God will be faithful. This promise enters into a terrifying and malicious world in a surprising way. That God's ancient covenant with the people of Israel, it is secure and is reliable because God is true. And God is faithful. And God holds God's covenants. Even though it is held in an unexpected manner, this covenant will be fulfilled through the lineage of David. But what is so unexpected, as we heard in those first verses, is that it will is that this ruler will not come from Jerusalem, the royal city, but from Bethlehem, a small village, or as we hear in our text, the least significant of Judah's forces. He will not come exercising military might like the Assyrians, but it will be one of peace who provides for his people as a shepherd. This is not what they expected. And Jesus is not just born in a little insignificant town, but in an insignificant part of an insignificant town as he is brought in a manger, in a stable. Yes, this is not what they expected at all. They were expecting a, a military ruler to come and to, to uh, demolish those that were oppressing them and to take by force those that had held them back in the kingdoms. But they were not expecting this at all. A king to lead them in a way of peace. As a shepherd. Throughout Advent, we have been looking and called to look and to see where God is at work and where God is calling us to be at work. Because so often, the ways in which God is at work are not the ways that we expect. We've talked about the ways of hope and joy and peace and love. 
And how so often these are things that do not come naturally to us. Because we desire other things, we desire different situations. It's not what we expected in our lives. And I'm, I'm reminded of my college years, and I found myself attending the University of Southern Mississippi for a year, and it did not go well, to put it mildly. Um, I, my grades were not great. I found myself pursuing anything other than school and church, even though I had grown up in the youth ministry of my church and was very faithful to that ministry. And after a long series of events, I found myself returning home to live with my parents, and I found myself kind of getting back into church, helping with youth group a little bit, Um, still not really sure what I wanted to do. Um, A lot of this fear came from not knowing what was next. And I remember I was chaperoning a youth trip, and I got a phone call from my head pastor, and he told me, hey, um, all you have to do is answer the phone. I've, I've got a job opening that um, somebody was looking for a youth pastor and I told them your name they're they're very interested all you have to do is answer the phone when they call and I'll be honest that that the fear and the worry of my life um, the the fact that I had other desires that may not have aligned with all of this um, caused me to question Is that really where I'm called to go, what I'm called to do? And after some discussions with friends, I did answer that phone call, and I ended up being the youth minister at Broadmeadow United Methodist Church in Jackson, Mississippi, for about five years doing ministry, inner city ministry, in a place that I never thought I would be, with people that I never thought I would encounter, that that caused me to shift and to change and to question and to, to just become a better me. They, they challenged me and pushed me in ways that I'd never been challenged or pushed before. I, I laugh because I'm still friends with many of them today, and they said that after they hired me within the first few months, they looked and they said, this youth group is going to eat him alive. Well, I'm still friends with many of those youth, and I still stay in contact with many of those people. But I'm also reminded that throughout that story, throughout that time at Broadmeadow, um, that I was that my father was serving in ministry as well, and they took, and he took an appointment on the coast. And so he, him and my mom loaded up and moved away. And as they sold their house, I was, for all purposes, homeless. I found myself searching where I was going to live. And I've told this story before of Dan and Beth Autry, where I was searching for where I was going to live, asking around. And, and this couple that were not even members of the church, but lived within the community and worked at the daycare, said, we have an open, open room. You can come stay with us for a few weeks. And the next thing I knew, I was there for a few years. But um, as I was talking with Beth this past week, we, she, was t- she was looking back over her life about, she, as we just lost Dan this past year, um, this idea of there's things that happen in your life that you don't want to happen. But if they didn't happen, how other rewards would not have come. How other blessings would not have been possible. And she started talking about how before I was looking for a place to live, six months to a year before that, um, that Dan had lost his son in his early 20s, Devin, to a car wreck. And, and that at that moment, Devin's death seemed like the worst thing possible. 
But because of that, there was an open room, and an open place for me to come and dwell. And we, and me and Beth have talked about this a lot more recently, that it was what, exactly what both of us needed, myself and Dan, that was exactly what Beth needed at that moment. And through our friendship and through our connection and through our love for one another, healing took place. And this was a blessing. But it was not in the way that any of us expected to receive it. And I started, as I started hearing that, I started to wonder, why is it so hard for us to see God at work? Why is it so hard for us to, to, to find those blessings? I mean, we're Christians. We, we have a relationship with God. We, we study our scriptures. We spend time in prayer for many of us. Shouldn't we be able to see it? And as I started to, to really just kind of look at my own life and why it is that I don't, I started to realize that it's, for many times, it's because we're too focused on the doors that are closing. We're too focused on what has happened in order to open our eyes and our hearts to what it may happen in the future, to live with that hope that we spoke of a few weeks back. And as we focus on the doors that are, that are being closed, we, we, we also find ourselves focusing on the ones, that we want, or the ones that we want to be opened. And God is not about opening what we want, but opening what we need. And the thing is, is we become so focused on our own wants and desires that we don't understand that God understands better than us what we need. So we become very focused on self and our own wants and desires, and we forget about God's will and how God is at work. And that God is calling us to love more than just ourselves. Because most of the times what we're seeking is things that will benefit self, and God says, love more than just yourself, but love God and love neighbor as we hear in the greatest commandment. You see, these persons that Micah is talking to are persons that we hear in Micah 3, that they will cry out peace when they have something to eat, but they will declare war against those who put nothing in their mouth. And and I just, I hear this and I think of this, how sad of a depiction this is for many people and maybe even for our own current culture that when we we are satisfied and apathetic, when everything is going good, when our needs have been met, we cry peace, peace. But, but it turns to fury and anger and hostility towards those who refuse to keep us comfortable and full. We, we no longer desire peace, peace, but we become angry when somebody will not give us what we want. When somebody will, when it's not beneficial to us anymore, we're no longer at peace, but all of a sudden our world is thrown into chaos and it call and we get very frustrated when somebody calls us to do something different when some when the world shifts and causes us to do something different to change to shift to stop looking at the closed doors but look for the open doors when the world closes doors in our face we get upset and angry and hostile when the world causes us to shift and move we we find ourselves going why me oh god why and we and we really can get confused confused and baffled 
when others call us to shift from ourselves to others and to God. But we hear in our text that God, the one to come is the one of peace. The ruler and the shepherd that is to come out of Bethlehem is not merely one that possesses peace or seeks to bring peace, but would be and is and shall be peace. And this is where we see Jesus, the shepherd of Israel, feeding and securing his people until the ends of the earth. And he is defined by this word of shalom. This word, it doesn't just ultimately mean peace, although that may be part of its fuller meaning. The word more basically means unity or wholeness. This miraculous child will bring all together again the remnant of that have been scattered as well as those that are still unborn. And what Micah wanted for Israel and the nations is exactly what the Christians believe that coming of Christ meant for them and their world. It is justice and unity and peace. This is our hope that as we that as we see doors closing, we may live in trusting that God is a God of justice and unity and peace. All these things that we desire for our world. But what this text is calling us to do is to look at it through a different lens that it's not just how we will, that we want what's good just for us or what is beneficial for us, but for all. God is finding things, God is all about us finding things in places that we would not have known to look. And sadly, in our world and in our lives, we frequently find ourselves not seeking to love. Well, we do. We find ourselves seeking to love self. We say, but we are not seeking to unify or to be agents of justice and peace, but we are seeking to benefit self instead of loving God and loving neighbor As Advent draws to a close, Micah invites us to look for God's presence where we least expect it and to be attuned to those voices of the small and the powerless and the vulnerable that are, and to be prepared to be surprised where God is calling us to go. Are we prepared to welcome the Holy One in our midst? This is how we started off Advent. Are we prepared? For the coming of the Christ. In our text, Micah is dreaming of another David-like king. One who will defeat the Assyrians and bring Israel back to its days of glory. Before the Yahweh who chose them as the people of God. He's seeking those glory days. One to defeat the forces that would destroy the land. And one who would bring unity and peace to a newly reconstituted community. One who would feed the people and secure their rights in a land finally ruled by Yahweh. He is seeking for God to return and take over God's kingdom again. This idea of unity, hope, peace, joy, love, security for all, justice, is all rooted in love. Micah, in our text, is proclaiming One that will come, and will come again, and one that comes to show a way of love. 
if we would just seek to follow Him through the open doors and stop dwelling on self and those that have been closed. Amen and amen.